Dr. Franz Janov, Clinical Director of the Primal Center in Venice, California. Welcome. Thank you. And by the way, Dr. Franz Janov. Pardon me, Dr. Franz Janov, of course. <laughs> it was hard enough to get that, those two little letters. <laughs> you worked hard for your doctor. Dr. <laughs> yes. Okay, let, let's, let's start there. So, yeah, you're the clinical director of the Primal Centre, and clearly the, the Primal Centre is a, a research centre for primal therapy and a, a practising therapy centre. Some of our audience may have heard of primal therapy and associate it with primal screaming or something. Um, others won't have heard of primal therapy at all. What's primal therapy in a, in a nutshell? Well, since we were born, uh, we may have had pain. Most people have had pain coming from the fact that they were not really loved. And love is such a big, big definition because it means that all our needs have to be fulfilled. Starting before birth, during birth, and all throughout our, our growing up. And the need, it sounds like it's a very easy thing, but it's not. It means that the baby and the child have to get what they need at the time they need it. That is really the definition of love, of being loved. In other words, when a child needs to be taken, taken in his parents' arms, or fed, or go to bed and sleep, but it, it has to happen at the time that that need comes up. And if it does not happen at that time, or it doesn't happen at all, then there is incredible pain coming in. And we cannot really see that pain from outside. It's not always obvious unless a child or a baby cries, but as we grow up, as the child grows up, it does not always show, because before it can even be felt by the child, it is repressed. Hmm. The, 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 our, our brain throws up, repression and the baby or the child or even later on of course the hurt is not felt it is repressed but it is registered it usually especially when it's a, a young child the need is to be held is to be caressed is to be listened to to be to be fed at the right time to be able to go to sleep at the right time all those needs may not be showing and they, and therefore they may not be fulfilled and it does not necessarily show. Sometimes the baby cries, but otherwise it could be repressed before the baby or the child or later on the adult even feels it. But the need and the pain that is uh, that occurs from the fact that that need is not fulfilled, these are registered and they are inside our system forever. Unless we feel it and we get, we get it out of our system. And, and, and that's, feeling it, I'm not sure if that's, uh, if that's necessary to talk about it, but feeling it is what primal therapy does, where the patient feels what they did not have and the pain that occurred from not having had what they needed. And that pain is tremendous. We cannot imagine how strong and how bad it can be unless we feel it. And in order for us who are not doing the therapy, to deal with it is to repress it and to act it out. 
And acted out means that we become someone else, really, because we are constantly unconsciously, and that's important to know unconsciously, we are avoiding that pain. Okay. So that's basically how it works. Okay. So there are two elements of it. There's the acting out of the repression of, repression of that early pain, the acting out of it as a way to deal with it. And then there's the process for resolving it. And those are the, those are the two things you described, if I got that right. Well, the process to resolving it, there is only one. It is to feel the pain that was occurred by the lack of fulfillment of the need. That's what we do in primal therapy. And otherwise, it, it keeps, the, our system keeps trying to keep us away from the pain that is still there. See, when a child is not loved, he has to repress the need for love and he has to repress the pain that the non-fulfillment of love is creating in him or her. <laughs> and so those two elements are part of their growing up, are part of every second of their lives. So, for example, people are not aware that they act out the pain. They just, that's the way they are. They are that's the definition of neurosis. They are neurotic, but they don't even know they are neurotic in, in most of the cases. They just act out. They take drugs. They, they, they drink. They, they, uh, they are angry. They are dismissive. All the things that neurosis makes us do. Okay. And consciously. And that's, that's the main thing, is that that's who we become. That is the definition of neurosis, is the person is neurotic because they keep avoiding a pain that is very, very, very old and very early. But by, by acting it out, then it doesn't have to be felt. Okay. And that is the definition of neurosis. And so the therapy, primal therapy, helps you feel that pain as a child so that you don't have to... Um, act it out and you don't have to be and little by little the neurosis comes down and you become who you really are without the pain and without to have to act it out or take drugs or drink or all that okay so it sounds there like that's a slightly broader definition of neurosis than perhaps some people have their mind i think perhaps some people think of a i mean i know this is stereotypical but a, a neurotic woman who's perhaps very anxious and so we perhaps have a, by you given what you've said yeah, a slightly narrow sense of what what neurosis is is that you're talking about something broader is that right yeah it, it is neurosis is really the the consequence of not having been loved not having had our needs fulfilled then the fact that those needs uh, have to be repressed at all times and the pain from not having those those needs fulfilled have to be repressed at all times creates that behavior which is neurotic because mm -hmm. it's a behavior that has nothing to do with who the person would have been had that person been loved since day one and so because it, it is meant to constantly suppress the pain of not having had our need fulfilled so mm -hmm. that is the definition of neurosis it's all the things we have to do not to feel the pain all the things we have to do not to feel the pain and that can include drugs alcohol pornography Exactly. And, but it can also be perhaps what people more commonly think of or sometimes think of as neurosis, which is being anxious or being depressed as well. Yes, but not only that, it makes us become somebody we are not. 
Mm. Because that pain is there all the time, and it is also constantly triggered in life. And we and our system has to immediately defend us so that we don't feel it. And then we are we can live with the uh, with it being repressed. Now, people who take drugs, who take who who, uh, who have to uh, drink, who have to do all those things, that's because their natural re repressive system is not enough. They have to add more things so that they will not feel the pain. <coughs> but basically, the essence of neurosis is the fact that we have we become someone else than whom we really are, so that we will not feel the pain that is being triggered or that would be triggered at every minute of our life by the lack of love, the old lack of love, and that is being triggered by the present lack of love. Mm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's a, so it's probably worth unpacking that a bit. So when you talk about triggered, you, you've got a specific meaning there of, of, of being triggered, right? What, what, explain that. Yeah, being triggered is actually a very, very important notion uh, because if we look at the need, and I'm going to go all the way back, we need that the need, the need to be loved, the need to be taken in their arms, in the parents' arms, the need to eat or sleep when, when the baby needs it. And as we grow up, we pretty much are inside our parents' needs, what they want us to be, or what life is that it may not be so easy. But in any event, the, in terms of neurosis, the needs are not being fulfilled, but they still exist. So they have to be repressed. And in order to be repressed, then besides drinking, smoking, doing all the crazy things, our system has been worked in such a way that since day one, when the, when the, when the needs were not fulfilled, our system has to immediately, uh, how, what is the word? Repress the need and has to put over it the way to deal with the need anyway, which is really what becomes neurosis. The need is still there, but we can't feel it and we can't fulfill it since day one. Therefore, there is a whole system that is in place that keeps us from feeling that need. And that is the essence of neurosis. We become mm. someone else, basically. Okay. Uh, we become our defenses, the defenses that allow us not to feel the need and not to have the pain from this, the need not fulfilled. Right. Okay. Is that then, clear? That's, yes, that's clear. And then the second part of what you've talked about there is the, is the way to resolve this pain, the, this unmet need, is to, is to go back and feel it. But what about the people out there who, like, who, who take a position of no, you know, well, there's a couple of there's a couple of well, there's a couple of arguments against that. One is you know, the past is in the past. We we need to move on. Um, another is well, if we go back and feel all that, we will re-traumatize ourselves. And and I suppose the third that that I often hear is, oh, but if we if we go back, how do you know that's real? And and maybe you're just you're you're making it up. And 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 there's this danger of these the these auto suggestion you know where where we tell ourselves something bad happened when when really it didn't so so how do you counter those arguments okay give me the first one first <laughs> so let's take the first one so uh yeah. let's take the first one which is 
let's just leave the past in the past and move on. You know, it's, it's futile to go back. You know, we should just live our lives um, in the present and, and leave the past in the past. Okay. That's a very good one. That's what most people do. What they're not aware of and what they don't know is that the past is the past, but it keeps pulling your behavior, it keeps driving your, your behavior in the present because the past is full of pain. And our system systematically and automatically tries to avoid that pain. So by avoiding that pain, which is in the past, we have to have a behavior that is not the right, the, the, that, is, that is not, oh, how can I say that? That is not driven by the past. And that is the essence of neurosis, is that we keep avoiding the past. We mm. keep doing the things that will not get us close to the pain of the past, the pain of not having been loved, the pain of not having our needs fulfilled as a child. When the, need are not fulfilled as, when the needs are not fulfilled as a child, if we are not taken in our, in the, our parents' arms as much as we needed, if we're not listened to when we needed to be listened to, all of the things that we need as a child and the need the needs as a child are gigantic because everything comes from daddy and mommy mm. nothing else because a child can't do anything to fulfill his needs so his whole life or her whole life are completely directed to being fulfilled by their parents and if they're not a need the definition of the need is that you need that to happen <laughs> Right. Cool. And so what you're saying is that for those who say, oh, I'll just leave the past in the past, you're saying, well, you, you're, you're, past, you're still carrying your past. You'll continue to repeat these neurotic patterns. Um, Not so only that, but you also have inside of you the pain. And right. that's what we don't, we can't even imagine how, how powerful that pain is of not having the need fulfilled. The need is the thing that is essential for you to be whole and for you to be happy, and for you to be comfortable in your own skin. If that need is not fulfilled, then the pain is tremendously strong and powerful. But because it's so strong and powerful and that we cannot fulfill the need as a child, it is repressed. Okay. Otherwise, and, and we have to go back. You have to go back to resolve it, and, and just living in the, in the moment and, and looking towards the future will not allow us to resolve it. Is that well no what you have to do is that you have to feel the pain mm. of the fact that that those needs were not fulfilled okay. and you know people don't realize how how extraordinarily powerful the need for love and in love again you know there's all the things being listened to being taken in the arms to be cuddled to to be paid attention all that the the, the need the need is an extremely powerful thing it's just like you know, you don't you don't feed someone when they die. Well, the, the the need, the psychological need is the same in the sense that the real person dies or is buried under the pain of the need that is not being fulfilled. And that pain makes us, in order to avoid it, makes us constantly behave in a way that is away from the from the need itself. So in other words, someone who has not been loved uh, can become angry, can become uh, uh, can do things that have nothing to do with what who or she or he is really deeply. Um, the new, and that's called neurosis. And neurosis takes so many different aspects which 
come up and take their shape from the from the life, from the past, from the childhood pain. Mm -hmm. And it makes us to be someone completely different than who we really are. Because we live inside the defense not to feel the pain of not having been loved. Okay. And because that okay. pain is inside of us. It is registered in our brain, in our neurons, in our physiology, in everything. And it drives our lives. Right. And the, and the second argument against it is, well, if you go back, you'll, you'll re-traum, you, you open all that up and you, you'll re-traumatize yourself. And I see that written a lot, a lot online in critiques of primal therapy is this risk of re-traumatizing yourself. What, what do you say to that? That is actually, I can understand that people might think that, but what they do not understand is that the trauma comes from when you are a child. When you are an adult, you're much stronger. So you can cry because you were traumatized or you were, you were hurt when you were a child. But by then, your, your constitution, your brain, your physiology is much, much stronger. And what is actually fascinating is that in primal, a primal, a deep primal, usually lasts very shortly, two hours, three hours sometimes, but Shortly, I think some you, people would, 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 would feel like that was a very long time when we consider a sort of typical therapy session. What do you mean? Well, two or three hours would, would perhaps feel like a long time for somebody who's used to having therapy sessions that are 40 minutes long, say. Yeah, that's true, except that, the, you know, when we cry, it is a release. And so in therapy, the fact that you cry in and afterwards, the, the relief, the, 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 the feeling of happiness, of being yourself, which does not happen right away. You know, it takes a little while before this whole process takes hold. But when it does, when people have what we call a feeling, we don't call it always a primal, but when we have a feeling, it is an extraordinary thing. It's like all the pain comes out. And after that, the feeling of being, of being alive, of being who you are and and free of that pain is an extraordinary feeling. It's fantastic. It's like, it's like what you should have been had you not have had the pain, you know, from your childhood. It's like suddenly it's out of your system. And when it is out of the system, you realize how impactful it had been, how it drove your life before, and how painful it is. Mm. Okay. And it, it, is, it is an extraordinary relief. And what I want to say, is what is absolutely extraordinary about this process is that there is an amount of pain, let's say uh, 200 is the amount of pain that is registered in our, in our system, in our brain, in our body everywhere. And in primal, we feel a little bit of it and a little bit of it and a little bit of it. And with every little bit that is felt, let's say 10, 10, 10, every time there is a relief until in the end, when the 200 have been felt, that's it. You have your life. You feel great. You're happy. The pain is not in you, dogging you or making you, forcing you to try to avoid it all the time and act out. Hmm. And act out means you're not yourself because you, you keep on trying to avoid that pain, unconscious pain, but it drives you, or drink or drugs or all the crazy things that we do in neurosis. Because that is the definition of neurosis, avoiding that pain that is registered in us. Mm. Does that and make sense? That makes sense. And then the, the third argument is, 
is that you often hear is that, well, how do we know it's real, right? How do we know we're not sort of making things up and that we're, we're, we're kidding ourselves that we had certain traumatic experiences and there's this risk of um, it, yeah, trauma or abuse that we, we think happened and really didn't happen and, and, that, and that's a big risk for people taking this type of process. If it did not happen, you can't cry about it. It's that simple. If it did not happen, you're not hurt. And you're not, if you're not hurt, you don't cry about it. See, that's the thing that is so real in primal. It's like, let's, let's take an example. Someone is unpleasant with you and is treating you badly and all that. Well, if you haven't done primal, you're stuck with that in the present. So you, you get a headache, you take pills, you're angry, whatever you do to avoid actually feeling it. If you, are, if you have access to your feeling, which is what primal gives you, you, you go lie down, as we call it, and then you let yourself feel, feel it. You may be angry at that person, and, and under the anger, by the way, there's always a hurt. So you can, you can be angry at first, or maybe not, if you can go directly to the feeling of hurt. And when you hurt, you cry, and mm. you feel the hurt deeply, and that cannot be faked. Mm. If you feel the hurt deeply, you let yourself feel the hurt deeply in the present already. You know, someone was very unpleasant and treated you badly and it makes you cry. By the way, tears uh, contain endorphins, which is what we need to, to deal with. That, that's what happens that allows us to be better afterwards. But so we feel it, we cry, and you can't cry unreal. If you really cry because you've been hurt, it's real. You have mm. been hurt. And that's what, that's what our system gives us to be able to, um, to feel better. And mm. in primal, it starts in the present. It may start in the present. And then it, the same feeling takes you to what we call second line, which is the same feeling in the past. Mm. And, and that is really the essence of primal therapy. And if it goes to first line, which is birth, uh, that is also once people have, have achieved enough, uh, enough access to their pain. And if there was problems, you know, if there were pain in, in first line, then it goes there automatically and we are able to feel all those levels of pain on the same, with the, some, very often with the same feeling. Like someone has been feeling alone, very alone in life, right now in the present, and they start feeling it. You know, I feel so alone all the time. Nobody likes me. I'm alone. Da -da. And we help them feel it. And then that aloneness, sort of pieces of the aloneness as a child in the past will start coming up, the memory of it. So I remember when I, when I went to class the first time, I, I was so alone. Nobody talked to me and da-da-da-da. That feeling it comes up and travels as we gain access. That's what we call it in primal. That, that feeling travels through many, many times when it was actually felt without being felt, when it happened. Like, you know, moments when the child is, feels alone in class, moments where the child feels alone because his parents are paying more attention to his brothers or sisters. All the possibilities of feeling alone in their life starts coming up, not all at once. But that's the process of primal therapy. It will start little by little. And the difference between 
having it registered and lingering and being inside the system, the fact that they are felt is coming out of the system and therefore does not drive us into a behavior that will make us avoid the feel, that feeling. Right. Is that, um, yeah. am I, I'm not sure if I'm clear on no, that. No, that, that, that's clear. I can just imagine some people listening to this and, and maybe they're like, okay, I get, okay, maybe, maybe I can buy that we can go back and, and feel feelings from childhood. But, but birth, I mean, come on, can, you know, can we really remember that? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure some people may be thinking that. And I tell you what, birth is actually the most important part because birth is life and death. The baby is coming to life. It has no defenses unless, you know, the, the nine first months have not been so good, which quite often happens. But in, a, in, a, in, a, in fact, it is the beginning of life. And it is a beginning that can be very traumatic because, again, birth does not always happen very easily. Uh, sometimes the doctor is not ready, so the baby has to stay inside for longer than when his birth you know, birth is an extraordinary thing because the baby actually gives the signal of, I am ready to be born now. It comes from the baby. And it's very important because it's the first manifestation of the life for the baby. It needs to be coming out. And if the doctor is not ready to come, if the mother is very afraid and she does not let it happen, if she's taking drugs, all the circumstances that make it difficult and that interfere with the completely natural process of birth. It's like there's nothing more powerful than a baby that is ready to come to life. And for example, in a lot of places, a lot of, a lot of countries, in a lot of places, the mother is automatically drugged because they don't want her to suffer. Well, Whatever is injected in the mother goes into the baby much more powerful because obviously, you know, it's, it, the baby is completely new and doesn't have any, any defenses in that area yet. And it changes everything. Right. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you my example. I know it's not really great, well, to I think that's what but it is such an amazing, an, an amazing one. It was war in Paris and uh, the Germans were occupying France. And when my mother needed to have me born, she could not because she had to go to the hospital and the Germans were anyway. So they had to hold me back. And in my life, I, and so I, made, I started dying inside, inside of her, but something in me refused to die and I would start again you know, pushing to get born, but I could not. So I would fall, I would fall down again in, uh, in unconsciousness. But again, something in me refused to die, and I would fight again, etc., etc. And this lasted for hours. And I never knew how it impacted my life. And, I'd, and it took me a few years of feeling feelings and feeling that feeling that I almost died, and I made myself live again to finish that whole sequence of ready to be born, can't be born, fight to be born, and, and, and each time I would, I would fall, you know, because I could not make myself be born. And it created an absolute pattern in my life. Nobody and nothing can keep me from doing what I want. <laughs> and it is so powerful 
it has driven my life completely. It has made me very successful, which is nice. But whenever I could not, absolutely not do what I wanted, then I would try committing suicide. That's how powerful it was. So mm. it, it, it is. And when I actually went to that sequence in primal, I could not even believe it. And my, my immediate instinct when I could not do what I wanted was the idea of committing suicide. And I did it a few times. And I spent four and a half days, you know, in hospital and things like that. So, and it, I, know, I know it damaged me in some ways, but all it was, and when I started having those primals, then I realized the impact, the incredible impact it had had on my life. Not being able to be born, practically dying, and then having something in me that refused to die, fight, and finally I made it to be born. I mean, you know, I'm sure it sounds crazy. Mm. Does it? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, of course, I'm biased in this because I've done a lot of primal therapy myself and I've experienced my own birth. And so I have a perspective which, which allows me to believe that this is absolutely true. But I still encounter on a regular basis people in my life who are very skeptical of the idea that we could go back and oh. feel what we felt in birth and, and relived it. And I'm, I'm just interested to know how you respond to that challenge of, well, how can you possibly remember it? <laughs> People have to understand that, you know, we're not, uh, everything that happens to us is registered. Mm. And and especially at the beginning of life, because our brain, our system is completely new and completely uh, virgin. Nothing has been registered yet. And life and death, nothing can be more powerful than that. Mm. When things don't go right at birth, then obviously it has the potential of being life and death. Mm. So the whole system is already fighting and is already traumatized and is already, everything is already registered and creates, already creates equations of failure or success. Yeah. And that's what, get, that's what Arthur Janov, and of course we, we will perhaps come on to him, but um, described as an, an imprint Absolutely, exactly, exactly. It's our first equation. It's our first imprint, and then we stay. We live on it. We live on it. And whether it was successful or not, that imprint is what is what the system learns, uh, because that's what happens, and that's how we learn uh, to survive. Is through all our imprints. Mm. Those those set points, that pattern that for you was set up very powerfully as. Um, you know, I will, I will, I will prevail no matter what. Right. Um, and, and for me with something like, you know, I, I, I must hang on with something like that from my, from my birth experience, but, but they set up beliefs and patterns of behavior from right from those early moments. Absolutely. Because it is survival. Mm. What was your birth like? Well, it was a horrific. Don't you I mean, I, answering it. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, yeah. So mine. So I experienced something called fetal bradycardia, which is where your heart rate drops. Um, so it's oh, like, wow. quite similar experiences. Um, the doctors were concerned that I, you know, that my heartbeat was dropping and that I might die. Uh, I, I was stuck in the birth canal, and they used forceps to to pull me out and. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I was stuck in, and well, this is another term that's used commonly in primal in a in a double bind, in the sense that 
took for me mm -hmm. to push out of course it was dangerous because i was i was losing energy by pushing yeah right and I, my heartbeat was dropping and i was i was i was low on energy and so to push out was was dangerous and yet to to not push to stay would, would, also, would also have meant death so to push was to risk death and to not push was to risk death which we did describe as a double bind and of course it, it, it manifested me as a very strong personality trait of being tentative being neutral you know being playing things down the middle all the time and so um it manifested in this yeah in, in some senses uh, allowed me to be very successful in in types of roles where I needed to play a kind of ambassadorial role when I needed to be fair to both sides and but it but it held me back in many ways because it, it meant that I was very tentative when it came for just going straight for something because of course from my birth experience to do that would have been to have risked death so it um yeah I mean it, and it, of course this it was very powerful for me to not yeah, just understand course. all that but resolve it because it gives me facility to act differently to believe different things um so yes i mean of course for me it was enormously powerful um, you know when i listen to you because it is fascinating we should write a book from everybody who had had a birth trauma in any way and write the book about what it did the consequences of it right and and, and maybe with enough testimonies it could make an impact in terms of um, countering that very common belief that we we can't remember any of that and, and or it's not there's no point going back there let's let's move on you know move on um, which is such a strong cultural narrative for us it's, yeah of course yeah. and uh which has to do with birth too <laughs> you know but anyway that that actually that would be very very interesting to do yeah because i'm sure don't don't can't even imagine how much their life depends on the way their birth happened. They, had, they have no idea. Well, exactly. I mean, it was hidden for me. I mean, I had absolutely no, no vague inkling whatsoever. I mean, uh, I think I, you know, I, I somehow knew in the back of my mind that I had a difficult birth, but I, I, I never got even close to connecting that with any of the problems I was experiencing or anything to do with, you know, or any, any of the facets of my personality. I mean, it, you, they just were never connections I made. Uh, of course. And because first you don't have access to it. But, you know, actually, if you think about it, it makes such sense. You know, that is the first experience that a baby has. And obviously, it's going to learn because it's life and death or difficulty and, and, and success. And so, obviously, it's going to learn the, these, these equations. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah I, I can see that. So that, but a, a crowdfunded book of birth experiences um yeah uh, who, <laughs> yeah you know that would be so interesting you don't have to write it other people would, would write it you know the book and, of pain uh, I'm not, I'm not, I, I think trying to market it might be interesting but yeah uh no i can <laughs> i can totally see the the, the value of it for people for, yeah as a, as a yeah, and you know, actually, all we have to do is ask. Uh, we have to ask the, the people in primal. Right. Yeah. Um, tell us. Tell us. Tell you the equations. You know, mm, no, and how exactly. they discovered it. Exactly. 
Um, but coming back to, very briefly to, to sort of primal as an edifice, um, I, you know, obviously it's something that you and I have had very powerful experiences with, and I'm, I'm sure we could we could name dozens of other cases. But in terms of its sort of traction and impact in in society, it, it's yeah, it's, it's not made the progress certainly that I would have liked you know from my experience i'd love i'd love this to be more commonly accepted in terms of what it can offer people in 2006 the american psychological association listed it as as a discredited therapy um and i know the the all of the obituaries of of art the janov's passing um relatively recently were all kind of mixed and generally sort of negative in tone so what's well, how do you feel about that, and and why do you why do you think that's the case? Well, obviously, I, I think it's a great shame because a lot of people could be helped uh, and are not because they they've heard bad things about it. I think part of the problem was that so many people tried to make themselves primal therapists and they had no idea what they were doing, and I think that is true all over the world. Uh, I saw that in France when art were there and art were there. I see it in a lot of countries. And that's a shame because, you know, they make people scream or, you know, crazy stuff. Uh, so that, that contributed to discrediting Primal. So I'm not really sure how, how to change it. Uh, that's why I did, you know, the, uh, the legacy program so that people would have a chance to see how it's supposed to be done. What's that, the legacy program for people who, yeah. I'm sorry, what? What is the legacy prog- program for people who are not familiar with that? Well, the, the legacy program is uh, when I was doing training in, uh, at, the, at, the, at the primal center, it was taped. The videos were taped. And it is really ABC of primal therapy, how to do it. Uh, okay. and, uh, and so it's, it's there. I believe there's like maybe something like 40 or 30 Evenings are taped, and it's available at the center. And uh, we have it actually on the website as as well. But I'm surprised how it does not sell more because it's really a complete course of how to do primal therapy the right way. Right. Um, so it's called the Legacy, the Primal Legacy Program. It's on the website as well. I mean, uh, the, the link to it. And that's and, more, um, that's that's more targeted at, at therapists, is it? People who want to learn how to 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 do this as a as a ther- as a therapist as a practitioner or is it for pe- just people who want to use it themselves as a, as a DIY technique well it's 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 a course in primal therapy so okay. the people the people who do want to know how to do the therapy whether it's for themselves or to do it on other people they just buy it and okay. I made it very cheap and uh, we do sell it but not that as many as I would have think okay. that people you know who, who are interested in primal it's all there. It's really, I think it was, I did two years of training or something like that. All of primal therapy in that program. And, uh, and that, that's it really. What was and what your I suppose, well, I suppose it reflects the broader point that we're making here that it, it just hasn't taken off despite exactly. its apparent power and what it's done for me in terms of transforming my life and you and, and many, many others. It, it's not gained traction and, and perhaps the, the, the sales of the legacy program just, just reflect that. So it, it yeah, you know, you, you know, I, what's the core or maybe the, you know i'm sure there's multiple issues but what do you see as being the primary drivers of the fact it's not not taken off to the extent we might have expected it to 
Well, what I think is that people people who decided to do primal therapy, whether they were already uh, therapists or not, uh, they they did it. Say, oh my God, this is great! I make I make my patients scream, and then they'll they'll get better. And I think a lot of that uh, at the beginning, especially, gave primal uh, a bad name or did not represent what it is because. <coughs> We heard it so often that you know the, the therapists were making the patients scream. And when Art and I we opened the institute in Paris, there were already a lot of therapists doing it in Germany, and some of them came to us to learn or to see how it was supposed, you know, just to learn more. And we were horrified when we heard the stories of how they were doing it. Mm. And I'm afraid that that's a lot of what happened is that they say, oh yeah, yeah. and also the title, primal scream. They made their patients scream and hit the, hit the board and, and, you know, get angry and do all sorts of crazy stuff. And I'm sure it's still true. And after a while, it contributed to giving Primal a bad name uh, that, you know, that it does not resolve, it doesn't help, it doesn't, whatever. I don't okay. know. So a lot of rogue practitioners. But, I mean, I know the other thing that, that Art used to talk about was that perhaps it was that at an individual level, we don't want to hear the message that to get better, we've got to feel pain. We, you know, we, yeah, just as, and, and I think there's, there must be something evolutionary. There must be an evolutionary rationale for that. I mean, then it, there would have been times for us that it would have been threatening our survival to spend, you know, hours and hours crying and feeling all pain and, and, and not being functional and productive. And actually there would have been a, a survival imperative for us to, to repress and suppress pain in order to, to, maintain functionality in the world you're absolutely right you're absolutely right yes no question no question so all these things contributed to uh to not helping the uh, you know the, the popularity if i can say of primal mm. and uh, at the same time i see that you know we never advertise the primal the primal center or anything like that and people keep coming so that's encouraging. Yeah, I think, and I think it's for those who, for, for better or worse, have, have have opened that door to their pain and have got some intuition that continuing to feel it may help them, may help improve their lives and discover the primal therapy and other deep feeling therapies as as an access to going going deeper and, and truly resolving some of the issues. Um, yeah, absolutely. But absolutely. it's just. A, a small proportion right now of, of the global populace who are, are in that place and i think can afford to you know can afford to do it in terms of the the money it costs if you certainly if you want to do it with therapists and the time that's required to take time i mean i in my primal journey if you want to call it that i've had to to take a lot of time off work and obviously i'm in a very privileged position where i can do that and, and not everybody can you know not everyone can go part-time for years on end to, to process old pain <laughs> So there's, yeah, no, it's true that it's it's hard to make it attractive. <laughs> but you know what I found, by the way, and I see this more and more uh, with our patients as well. The the the, the current uh, is that after two years, basically, the therapy has been done well, and if the access has been well uh, well drawn, well created, after two years, you don't need formal therapy anymore i mean obviously it's not it's not an exact uh, assessment two years and that's it 
But what I see very much is that people who've done their therapy and done it well gain access and do that and, and you know, not act out, do, do what needs to be done. After two years to maybe three, they, they just feel on their own. Mm. They feel, oh, okay, I'm triggered. They know they're triggered. And so they go lie down, they, they feel it, and it's, it's gone. And right. uh, I find that an extraordinary thing because the process goes on, but the, the necessity of having a therapist, of going to a place and doing all that is no longer necessary most of the time if we right. have gained good access. Yeah, I mean, I found that I got to the point with my primal experience where I, di I didn't have to keep coming to California and having the in-person sessions. And I now have it regularly with Skype. And I'm sure I progress even without the Skype therapy sessions. But there's something for me that's been powerful about keeping a, a drumbeat of a therapy session. Again, I'm privileged that I can do that. And, but it has meant that, you know, it's for me, I suppose it's nearer 10 years that I've continued to, to do the work. Um, but well, I, yeah, if there is a lot of pain, obviously, they might still come up and it still needs to be felt. But there is no necessary uh, therapy with a therapist in a room and all that stuff, is there? Do you still need that? I don't think I need it. But for me, it's a, you know, need it per se, I think it's a bit like having a personal trainer, right? I could go to the gym by myself and work out and do a pretty good job, but I'm never going to get as deep uh, in, yeah, a, no, of course. in therapy by myself as I would as a therapist the same way i'm not i'm not going to work out quite as hard by myself as i would with a personal trainer so that's that's how i that's the, the way i relate to it but but the, um, there's no doubt that i i have the capability now to and do process on my own you know outside of therapy sessions and so on so you talked before about how this you know working yourself um through primal therapy has allowed you to resolve these issues in terms of suicide attempts and the, this big reaction when you got thwarted but what else has it given you? Yeah, you know, when you live with pain and then you and then some even little pain is added in your life, then it becomes too much and you don't want to live, i.e. suicide attempt, etc. But mostly what it gives me after all this uh, is that first you have a great understanding of who you are, and that I find to be absolutely amazing. You're not you're not a mystery to yourself, you don't react in a way that you do not understand. Uh, you do know who you are. And that I find absolutely fantastic because it's a natural thing. Uh, mm. You don't react in a way that you don't understand. You, don't, uh, you, know, you know exactly who you are and that allows you to, to make the real choices. Mm. The choices that are going to make your life uh, fulfilling and that you're going to enjoy because it is not a neurotic need. It is not a neurotic um, something that keeps you from feeling the pain the pain has been felt so all the choices that you make are real and therefore they make you happy mm. i mean you know that th those two elements are so important the first one is that you're not in pain you get up in the morning and you can look at the sky and that makes you happy you can look at your flowers and you enjoy it it's like all the good things in your life have a weight in terms of pleasure in terms of making you feel good so that's the first thing. And the second, you're not plagued by neurosis. You're not plagued by pain. Um, and, and, and very important, actually, that's the third. <laughs> you make the decisions that are right for your life. Mm. You don't make decisions in order to, be, to stay away from the pain, in order to deal with pain, in order to not feel pain. Uh, besides the fact that you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't do all those crazy things that are also bad for you. 
but even if you did not before and you you know it makes no difference after but the choices that you make are the real choices therefore mm. they make your life being what it's supposed to be they make your life to be totally happy because that's what you really need needed if not for the pain and that's fantastic mm. yeah yeah fantastic i remember you told me that remember that this metaphor came from you that that primal is it's like you've got this bathtub of pain and it's like enter and emptying the the bathtub with a teaspoon yeah and uh and I, and that was actually so the, the two level at one level i was like oh my god i've got an entire bathtub to empty and empty but on the other hand it was like okay well i've got reason to keep going and and then the final point is eventually the bathtub does become empty and it sounds like you've reached that place or close to that place oh i have yeah. you know i haven't had to have a feeling or to feel pain for over 10 years mm. yeah and i you're... mean i even I, sometimes i even think is that is it that much well actually it's maybe more it's like after a while you know when art was talking about the the pool of pain is that what he was calling it it's well no, this came from you right but yeah maybe you'd 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 um you, you, I was him. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there is a certain amount of pain and it's mathematic. Every time we feel a piece of it, well, it's not there. Mm. And in fact, nature gives us the possibility of crying, you know, and that's what we restore is that possibility that cleans up and that takes out the pain. That's why we cry. And I find it totally extraordinary. And what I find found extraordinary when I was doing it too is that you actually go back to the moment and you are again the child or the person that was in that moment when the pain was 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 there mm. that too i find extraordinary that we actually revisit in real um the moment that gave us the pain yeah i i think it, it is an extraordinary thing and i'm and i'm sorry so many people are in pain and i have a few people around me that are completely in pain that spend their lives acting out but and they know me and they have given them the book sometimes but they don't do it and i you know i want to say you are a fool <laughs> you're a fool to choose your neurosis over some feelings you know and then after that having a great life right so that is their choice absolutely and not and not everybody's gonna you know is, is gonna move in this direction for those so a lot of we've talked a lot about how a lot of neuroses as we as we've defined it get set up in in early life in our early experiences and unmet needs what advice do you have for parents out there i'm, I'm a parent of young twins i know you've got an, an adopted son right but yeah what's your what's your advice for parents well pay attention to their need and fulfill their need that's the definition of love mm. And obviously, it's not that easy because, you know, if parents have pain of their own, they have neurosis and they see everything through their neurosis. Uh, so it's that's why I really I feel it's difficult to give advice because it's an advice that that lives inside who they are. And if they have pain, if they have neurotic needs or neurotic reactions, they're not going to be able to change that all the time. But supposing that we we can extract that aspect to it i think the advice is um be very aware of what your child needs mm. read, read dr janoff's books 
like the ceiling child, to have an idea about what the need of a child is. And then after that, just fulfill, fulfill the child's needs, provided you can, you know, you can identify them. Right. But mostly listen to them, kiss your children, be, be with them, be attentive to what they want. You know, in my family, which it was like high bourgeoisie, we were supposed to be behaving in a way that was proper. Hmm. And that's it. Nothing else mattered. So that, that meant that the real needs, the, 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 there was a huge barrier between my parents and us. Uh, which was made of uh, behavior you were supposed to have, uh, etc., etc. You could not cry. That was not allowed, etc. So I think the, the, the main recommendation is be aware of your children's need and fulfill them. If, they, if you can see that they need to talk to you, take the time to listen to them. If you can see that they are unhappy because something happened in school, Find out what it is. Listen to them. Take them in your arms. I mean, you know, it's all—it's all those things that in primal seem to be so totally obvious, but that are not in life. Mm. I have friends who are very good people, and they have children. They never really pay attention to what the kid has to say because they're busy with other things. They—they they don't ever take them in their arms. They don't, you know. It, it's awful. It's awful, and they're very good people. But they don't realize that's what a child needs because they did not have it. Okay. So as the message there is, at least part of your message there is, it's it's hard for for parents to recognize a need in a child if they didn't get that need met themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Or if the child shows the need but they are busy, and you know, life is tough for mo most people. And uh, or they work a lot, or they're not there during the day, and all those things. Uh, then it it is not surprising about the amount of neurosis and and how spread it is because life is difficult too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm experiencing that myself with all of the awareness I have of of, of what we've been talking about. You know, I, I still leave the house and go to work, and yeah. Of course, and, and you have children, yeah, Richard. Yeah, exactly. I have twin twin boys, thirteen months. Wow! Oh, 13 months. Yeah. Well, that's very exciting. That must be fascinating. Yeah, well, it is fascinating, and I mean, it's awesome in in so many ways. Uh, and and of course, having this awareness uh, just brings another layer of complexity for me in terms of uh, how do I how do I manage the fact I know what nurturing behaviour can be and what non nurturing behaviour can be, and how and so how do I how do I deal with getting their needs met, needs met as much as I possibly can and be functional in life and earn money and do all the other things I need to do? It's, it's, uh, of course. I mean, all parents, of course, face that. Um, it's just how yeah, it's not easy in, through, our, in our day and age. There is no question. Another, it's just given me another dimension having gone through what I've gone through. Um, okay. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I, I'm sure I don't have to say that, but what I know, what I've seen also in primal with our primal patient is how important it is, the touching and the cuddling and all that. Uh, that that's one of the dimensions that will immediately make the child feel better and feel, feel loved. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but you have to have the time and all, this, all these things. It's, it's, you know, I chose not to have children. 
because I thought that maybe what if I can't give them the love that they need? Mm. Yeah, I can I can understand why that's difficult. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But and I love children. <laughs> I love all my friends' children. That's great. And then they then they pack them up and they take them home. <laughs> yeah, of course you've you've contributed enormously indirectly with all of the parents you've worked with themselves actually. Like yeah, like me for example. So yeah. Yeah. Well I have a nephew who became our our son and uh and that was great. That was wonderful. Mm. She's the one who said, Hey, let's let's adopt him. So that was great. Yeah. And I know we haven't really gone deep into uh, your late husband and Arthur Janov and obviously the, the, the founder of all this. We focus very much on, on your journey. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe we leave that for, I mean, that, that feels like that could be an entire show, uh, show talking about you know, his life and your experiences with art and, and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, of course. We, we, Anytime if you want to, I'll be there. <laughs> I love to, have to talk about him and you know what i am very psychotic in that sense in that area because i still live with him right he's with me every second of the day Mm. and the night and uh i know it's not totally (laughs) totally right in many ways but i don't care i will forever Well, and I'm sure that a lot of people, not not as intensely as you, you obviously experience it. But uh, I mean, he's certainly a figure in my life, and I'm sure he's a huge presence in a number of people's lives, even even after his passing. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Um, yeah. I've got another practical question here. So, for people who perhaps aren't ready to commit to starting therapy, or even buying a book, or buying the course you've you've described. What, is there anything practical that helps people sort of warm up for this path or, or start to get a sense of, of what it's like to feel at this level or to work in this way on themselves? Is, is there something practical people can be doing? Um. Well, I'm not sure. Uh, the only thing, the best thing they can do is read the books. Right. Because nothing else will really explain as well. And the primal scream is, you know, uh, that's the one thing, like, the first page already made me, oh, my God, you know, we are creatures of needs. Oh, we have needs? <laughs> in my family, yeah, the need was to behave in the way my parents wanted. But uh, it's, I think the best thing to do is read out books. I really do. And to start with the primal screen, and then another one which I find to be extremely important is the feeling child. The feeling child and primal scream. Okay, well, we'll put li- links to those in the in the description. Yeah, because they are the ones that really touch on the subject of love, and uh, and the need for love, and what it means, and what it is, what is love. So I think these two. Uh, then of course, all the others are very interesting. The primal revolution and all those books. But but in terms of uh, wanting to learn about feelings and stuff like that, I think those two are the most significant primal scream and, and actually i should i've been thinking that i want to read the primal scream again i have one here uh, and the primal revolution because uh just to see how now that i know what it is obviously to see how art talked about it right okay how well, he explained it how he made it very clear what it is right okay you well, know that that first line in the primal scream we are creatures of needs that changed my life 
I remember looking at it and saying, I have needs? <laughs> well, it seemed to me I, I, I lived in my, in my parents' needs <laughs> to be what they wanted me to be. But yeah. that I had needs, that was a revelation. Yeah. And I never forgot that sentence. We hmm. are creatures of need. <laughs> yeah, okay. indeed. Okay, indeed. so my, my final closing question. Dr. Franz Janoff, um, yes? to you, what does it mean to be human? In, in a sentence. In a primal sense or in a general sense? In a general, general. sense. Yeah? In a general sense. I th- yeah, I think that being human, uh, what it means is to be able to feel life. To feel life. To be able to enjoy what's good about life. To be able to uh, when it's not good because it's not always good for everybody maybe to be able to feel what it does to you um, I to think be that's, human that's a major major it's a big question it's a big question but that's a great answer to feel life I, I, let's let's bank that I love that exactly yeah okay well let's um let's wrap it up there thank you so much for your time as I say we'll, we'll put the the links to the books you've mentioned for your time and I'll leave you to a beautiful Palm Springs day with the birds in your garden jealous yes in the, in do you ever come around here uh from time to time so I, I'll, I'll I'll uh yeah I'd love to head out there sometime and check out your your garden well please let me know come in I'm here every day so be sure to find me and it will be a pleasure okay and thank you for your time and it was a very interesting interview I hope I answered most things in a meaningful way. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, so where, where is it going to be showing? Where is it going to be published so or whatever? On, so I can it's on it. iTunes. So the podcast on iTunes is called Being Human. And, uh, and we'll have a, a YouTube channel also Being Human. So those are the places to check it out. Okay, Being Human. I'll check it out. Being, on iTunes, being, right? Being Human. Being Human. Being Human. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Fantastic. Thank you for your time, Dr. Franz Janoff. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Richard. It was a great pleasure.